Thank you so much, worship choir. Friends, if we have not met, my name's Adam, and it really is one of the joys of my life to be one of the pastors here. Yesterday, I did two different wedding ceremonies. And uh, uh -huh. the reason I tell you this is I'm a little loopy at this point. That's why I started <laughs> blabbering during the offering, but I write stuff down for this part, so you should be in good shape. But it was a great feeling this morning to have my feet hit the floor, getting out of bed, and to be excited to see everybody and to be in God's presence together. In the book of Isaiah, I think, we read uh, that those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. And, and I think when, when you're doing something you love, there's, a, there's an enthusiasm, there's an endurance, there's, a, there's an energy that I think God supplies. And I want to know that, that one of the things that feeds that for me uh, is being in worship with all of you. So, excited to be together today. I do wonder if anyone else has had a similar experience to the phase of life I'm in, where you find yourself negotiating with an eight-year-old. <laughs> this is a new kind of deal for us. It's an interesting place to be. Now, my son Aaron is extremely responsible. He's very diligent in what we ask him to do. But we're, for the first time, kind of figuring out what goes on which list. You know which list I'm talking about? The stuff, the jobs that are kind of extra and, and will reward him monetarily for doing, and the jobs that are just part of what it means to be a family, to contribute. We have a tortoise that Aaron named Orangehead, and it's totally normal to get your family photos taken with your tortoise, right? <laughs> so as a side note, let me, if you're looking for a low-maintenance pet, let me recommend a red-footed tortoise, highly. They're, they're, they're pretty easy to take care of, but they still do need a few things. Got to feed the tortoise. Uh, they eat vegetables, by the way, so that's great. Uh, Got to change the, the mulch in the cage uh, from time to time. And, and Orangehead, you know, they absorb moisture through uh, their skin. And so you got to soak Orangehead every once in a while. She needs a little spa day from time to time. But all those things are Aaron's job to take care of, not mine. We tried to make that very clear. And as Aaron grows up, he's going to contribute around the house, not because of what's in it for him, but because that's what it means to be part of a family. What I hope we'll discover as we study God's word together is that one of the marks of Christian maturity is moving from consumer to contributor. In the sermon series called Scatter, we're looking at what it means to be planting seeds of faith. Last week, Pastor Mitch described broadcasting, and that's a word that we might think it came into uh, use in the 20th century or the 21st with broadcasting television over the airwaves or podcasts, but it's a very old term, and it comes from the method that farmers would use with the giant bag of seeds and just scattering them everywhere, a wide scope of where they would scatter seeds. They would broadcast them. And this is just one of the, the, the many agricultural analogies that we find in the New Testament. So this week is no different. Matthew 13 is really one giant agricultural metaphor. These are verses 31 and 32. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now the black mustard plant is native uh, to the ancient Near East. It really is tiny. 
I mean, this thing is itty-bitty. So you can see why Jesus would use it. Now, we have to be careful not to kind of retroactively impose our knowledge in 2022 with Jesus' audience in the first century. Because technically, the mustard seed is not the smallest of all seeds. I believe the orchid plant is smaller. Uh, and I, I understand the chia seed is even smaller. I'm trying not to do the chia jingle in my head. It's like, <laughs> you all did it too. It's fine. But this is where, so Jesus is not the smallest seed. No, no, no. To the original audience, that would have easily been the smallest seed that they would have been aware of. And this is an analogy Jesus used elsewhere in the New Testament. Jesus says, if you have faith, even the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. The point is this very small thing. A tiny thing that becomes exponentially bigger. When it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So in and around the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus preached often, a mustard plant can grow as high as 10 or 15 feet. So the point being, in God's hands, even this tiny seed planted becomes multiplied exponentially in size. That the kingdom of God runs counterintuitive to our instincts. That a small, almost insignificant thing can come to mean something much more. It's interesting that the parable of the mustard seed is told to the disciples. If you open up Matthew 13, boom, 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 boom. One agricultural parable after another. The first of which Jesus tells to the crowds. A very famous parable Jesus tells is the, the parable of the sower or of the soil. And Jesus describes these different types of soil, different environments where the seed, the word of God, is planted and how the soil reacts. And often the question is, what type of soil are you? Well, similarly to the parable of the mustard seed, a theme emerges in Matthew 13. We read this earlier in verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. So when seeds of faith are planted, God can multiply them to make them grow larger and produce a multiplied harvest. As Pastor Mitch said last week, the church is in the seed planting business. When we baptize a child, we're planting seeds. When we go down, when kids go down the hall, or when uh, we present them with Bibles in third grade here in worship, we're planting seeds. When students are confirmed in middle school or come on a Sunday night to our impact student ministry, or they take a trip to a church camp or on a mission trip, we're planting seeds. When our church hosts a blood drive or serves as an election site or partners with the Boy Scouts or Alcoholic Anonymous to have our church be their home, we're planting seeds. When we host Fall Into Fun and when we promote it with an oddly effective but weird unicorn, <laughs> we'll have hundreds of people come and do trunk or treat in our parking lot. That's planting seeds. When people lift their voices together in choir, or when the word of God is proclaimed in worship, we're planting seeds. When you invite your neighbor to come to worship, or, or bring your mom or your dad. When you invite your neighbor or a friend to come get their picture with Casey Wolf, this thing we're doing, we're planting seeds. When kids at Whittier receive sweatshirts at Christmas, all of them at our partner school in Kansas City, 
or when a family receives a funeral meal on one of the worst days of their life, we're planting seeds. When a child in Haiti receives a uniform and tuition for a year, we're planting seeds. When people gather in groups to study scripture, pray together, and encourage each other, we're, let me hear it. I'm laying it on pretty thick, aren't I? (laughs) Friends, I could have done this for a half hour. We could have done this till 325. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I won't. Don't worry. I mean, we've got some people that plant actual, literal seeds at the Garden of Eden, 50 yards from here. And when that produce is given to the Carney Food Pantry, along with our monetary support, we're planting seeds. And so I hope you're not tired of hearing the words, planting seeds. Because that's what the work of this church is. Day in and day out, a single seed, you know if you garden, a single seed is not expensive. But altogether, seeds aren't cheap. And when you give to the church, you're part of the process of planting seeds. The money you give provides the seed money for ministry. I was really proud of that sentence. I thought that was good. <laughs> I've heard the phrase seed tank on Shark Tank, so I want to get it in there. Friends, when we give to the church, that contribution, big or small, becomes part of something much larger. And together, our gifts are multiplied in God's hands to accomplish so much more than any of them would have done in isolation. Friends, this is an incredibly generous church. I want to show you some numbers. These past three years have been tumultuous, to say the least. There's a lot of churches that struggle. The pandemic's been hard. Between 2019 and 2020, our giving rose by 7%. (laughs) That doesn't make sense. I've I've tried to speak pretty honestly about... uh, the difficulties at first from an organizational perspective. And and you worry. You worry about the staff and about how to keep everybody employed. Rose 7% in 2020. Between 2020 and 2021, our giving rose 3.7% from the prior year. And so far this year, between July 21 and, and July 22, so halfway through the year, our giving is up 9.7% over the previous year. It's a a generous, amazingly generous congregation. And so when I talk about this stuff, it's not from a place of desperation. It's not from a place of guilt. It's an invitation for us to move from consuming to contributing. I'd, I'd love to, to hear your, your feedback here. What are two of the most impolite topics to discuss? Go ahead and tell me. Politics. Politics okay. What are the other two of the three? Money. Money and religion. Lucky for you, I only specialize in two out of three. <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody's clapping. So get out of here before the Bills game and don't talk about politics. I've got my I've, I've message received. Message received. Well, friends, it's my job to specialize in religion and then when it comes to talking about money. 
So this isn't something that's particularly hard for me or something I'm nervous about because I'm committed to planting the work of this place, to planting seeds together, and I want you to be too. You know, I, I think it's, uh, it's always a tricky thing because on one hand, if this is your first Sunday with us at our church, it might appear that the stereotype that all the church does is talk about money would be true. Well, that is true today. But I also don't apologize for this because if it weren't for the contributions of everyone, we wouldn't have a church to welcome you into. And, and so I'm, tr I'm trying to thread the needle of doing this unapologetically, but also acknowledging that there's some realities here. Giving financially is one of the many, many ways to show our commitment to God. And this is the one Sunday a year I highlight what that looks like from the pulpit, metaphorically. I don't have an actual pulpit. Uh, I also just want to say, very frankly, I understand that hearing about giving to the church from someone who benefits from it may be hard to hear. But stick with me, and I think by the end here, you'll see that I'm smoking what I'm selling. So, what I want to do is walk through kind of a multiple, multiple different steps, kind of a spectrum on a journey of generosity. We can all find ourselves somewhere on this journey. In your seat backs, you should have a card that looks like this. This is a tool to help you chart your course on this journey of generosity. So I want to lay out a variety of levels of giving. And I want to recognize that folks are in different places. Uh, they may be in different circumstances and different seasons of life. I understand that. And I want to support people wherever they find themselves. But wherever you're at, I want you to consider what it would look like to take a step of faith and of generosity within these levels. So some of us are at the point, at the first level of generosity, when, when we give nothing to the local church. The first one is nothing. And, and just the reality is that if everyone gave nothing, if all of us just consumed and no one contributed, we wouldn't have a church in this form at all. And so that's not trying to be mean, that's simply a fact. Other times we give something, and that's a big step on this journey of generosity. Now giving something is what we might happen to have on us that day. Maybe you hear about a special offering uh, that we're taking up. Um, we have lots of contributions. I mean, I think last week, last month, we collected uh, underwear for a local ministry. Um, maybe you hear about some of these things and, and you contribute. And I want to celebrate that. I believe everyone's capable of giving something. And whatever that something is, is a sacrifice. So please hear me. A move from nothing to something is a big move. Don't underestimate even a small gift. Now, beyond something, we can grow towards intentional giving. And this is where we have a plan, where, where our generosity journey picks up, because intentional giving is a planned approach to giving based on a percentage of your income. Going from nothing to something represents a sacrificial step of faith, and going from something to intentional giving at 
represents another sacrificial step. Now, at this point, some people wonder, and I know because people have asked me, well, is that a, a percentage of your income, of your gross income, or your net income? And, and to me, I'm, I'm not interested in, in um, kind of, what's the word, par, uh, parsing those things. I love what my dad said. Just give a percentage of something. So others of us make an increase in our intentional giving, where we increase the percentage of our income that we give, and that also is a big leap of faith. Now that journey of intentional giving typically doesn't happen overnight as we grow to the level of tithing. That's another step on the generosity journey. This is the biblical principle of giving 10% of your income back to God. Now, my belief is that your tithe specifically goes to support the church. Now, I hope you're not surprised to hear a pastor say that, but here's what I mean. Sarah and I give to international missions uh, through Love Haiti. We support two friends that are missionaries in Papua New Guinea. Um, this may seem, and I'm not up here trying to give you my giving resume, but um, this may, uh, well, like every Friday we take our kids to Slavinsky's and uh, we buy the teacher's donuts. Yeah, that adds up over a year, 12 months. I did the math once and was like, that's, that's a lot of donuts. <laughs> By the way, I've heard that someone needs to buy Slavinsky's before too long to keep it going. Now, the last thing I need to be doing is running a donut shop. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw that out there. We'll keep moving. So Sarah and I do X, Y, Z, as I'm sure a lot of people do. But that to us is not part of our tithe because we believe specifically in the mission of the church. To make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And so it's because, again, as your pastor, I hope you're not surprised. It's because we believe in that mission over and above the other options we have with what we could do with our money that we believe the tithe is unique because it supports the ministries that build the kingdom of God. So this is what Sarah and I believe in practice. Now beyond that 10% mark is extravagant giving. And that's where we continue to evaluate our resources as blessings from God and how those can flow to others at 11% of our income and beyond. Now, I want to leave this slide up for a second, and I want you to look at those words in bold on the bottom. And one word you won't find among them is sacrificial. That's because beyond nothing, every one of these steps is sacrificial. Because we all know there's lots of things you could be doing with your money. Every act of generosity, no matter how big or small, contributes to the multiplying of our gifts together. Seeds that are multiplied in God's hands. So this morning, we've made these commitment cards available in, in the chairs in front of you. This is a tool to plot your spiritual growth in this area of generosity. Friends, again, I, I try to approach this very plainly. I'm not asking you to make the journey from nothing to extravagant overnight. I'm simply asking you to consider where you're at along this journey and to think about and consider what it would look like to take a step of generosity so that seeds of faith can be planted through the ministries of our church. On this card, you can indicate your annual or monthly or, or weekly contribution, and then you can mark what level of sacrifice that is for you. And you don't even have to turn this in. Sometimes it's just helpful to write things down. Now, there's also a space on here where you can get more information about how to give electronically, and also, if you'd like to have further conversation 
with a pastor, this is a way you can let me know about that. Now, next week, we will be turning, turning these in as an act of worship, but this is less about the church's data and more about a tool to develop our own spiritual act and practice of generosity. I think one of the reasons talking about money is hard is because it's so empirical. Like when we think about other disciplines of, of, and, and areas of Christian faith and growth, um, it's hard to quantify how forgiving you are. It's hard to make a chart about that. It's hard to, like, it's tempting, I do in my own mind sometimes, it's tempting to keep a tally, but it's hard to, to keep track of are we growing in kindness or, or are we growing in grace? I can hit one button on my Bank of America app, boop, 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 pie chart. And that's part of why it's hard is because it's so empirical. But I have a conviction that each of us have an invaluable part to play in scattering seeds of faith to be multiplied by God. I also have a conviction that as your pastor, I would never ask you to do something that me and my family aren't willing to do ourselves. And again, I know this is uh, kind of, I don't know if uncomfortable is the right word. I know this can be interesting to hear about. And so I just want to throw myself on, on the sword of awkwardness uh, and try and take away any of that, any of those feelings. Um, I want you to know that this fall, Sarah and I are continuing our commitment to give 11% of our gross income to the ministries of the church. That's $15,114 on an annual basis. Now, I don't do this for any other reason than for you to know that we take this practice seriously, and as your pastor, I would not ask you to do something that my family isn't doing. I'm also trying to take away the awkwardness by being the only person in the room whose card is going to be on the screen. <laughs> That's part of what it means to be a leader, and I'm happy to do that. Now, next week, we're going to be celebrating the great harvest that happens when God multiplies the seeds that we plant. So I'm very excited uh, about next week and celebrating all those things. But for today, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to cajole you or strong arm you into anything. I'm simply inviting you to join my family in contributing to the ministries of our church. Now I want to peel back the curtain a little bit as we bring this thing in for a landing. Uh, we have amazing folks who every week uh, we'll come in and, you know, all the stuff in the seat backs in front of you, the pens, the envelopes, the cards, um, those don't just appear. That's one of those things where you don't really think about it until something's missing or something's wrong, right? We have people who, who take care of this every week. But from time to time, uh, folks are either sick or maybe they're out of town. And so in those cases, I pay my son to do it. Here we go. <laughs> this is him last night. Now, this is kind of a side note because my greatest desire and aspiration for my children and my greatest fear are, uh, are linked. My greatest desire for my children is that they would love God and love the church. And my greatest fear is that my job would be an obstacle to that happening. So when I ask them to do stuff like this at church, I pay them. That's <laughs> my little, little extra incentive there. So we're still working on the list of what he does to get a reward 
and what he does simply to contribute to the family. The giving I'm describing and generously giving to the church is not about what we might get back from God, like it's some sort of investment with interest. Now, I'm, in, I'm inviting you to give simply out of the joy of seeing what God can do with all our contributions, great and small. Every week, every day, my son helps his sister get ready for breakfast in the morning. Uh, he does stuff like he takes his plate to the sink. He cleans up the basement. That's where most of their toys are. Not because of a reward, but because growing up means not just consuming, but contributing. This is also one of the marks of Christian maturity. Giving what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I want you to know, I love being a pastor at this church. This is an incredibly generous collection of saints. You've been so generous, and next week, I cannot wait to celebrate how God has multiplied all of our gifts into a harvest. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the many gifts you give us. God, I pray that you would give us a spirit, a, a, a mindset, a perspective of looking at all that we have and have access to and all of our resources as not just our own. God, it's so hard and it's so tempting not to, to cling to those. Help us remember that we didn't come by these just on our own, but by the abilities and the opportunities that you helped steer us to, that you gifted us with. God, thank you for a place that isn't awash in cynicism. Thank you for being part of a greater whole, not just at our church, but in the United Methodist Church. That together, that we would have a cumulative greatness that even our small contributions would grow when they're placed in your hands. God, impress upon us what you're calling us to do whatever that looks like for each individual. And we thank you for this community that we can be a part of. And we celebrate all that you're doing in our midst. God, as we have freely received, help us to freely give. And help us to do so with joy as you love a cheerful giver. Amen.